Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Hallelujah. We're starting a new series today, and it's called Made to Praise. Made to Praise. Who's made to praise? Me and you. All of us. Made to praise. The Bible is chock full, overflowing with exhortations to praise the Lord. It is not a a sentiment uh, reserved for greeting cards. It is an exhortation and a commandment for you and me to walk in and live out every day. Let's begin looking. Let's go to Psalm 19. Let's read what the, what the Word has to say about being made to praise. Psalm 119, and we just don't have enough time in several days. We could just sit here and read uh, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that exhorts us to praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Psalm, Psalm 19, I'm sorry. Psalm 19. Do you know what is the largest book in the Bible? Psalms. How many chapters in Psalms? 150. Right? 150. One of my favorite books of all time. It's my iTunes. It's a book of music and praise. But there is revelation of Christ in the Psalms. There is a realization. What's the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119. So the longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. That says a lot about praise. It is the book. It is unlike any other book. Hallelujah. Let's start with Psalm 19. Hallelujah! The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. This is what creation is doing 24-7. Pouring forth the praise of God. Declaring His glory. Now we know that creation is in its fallen state. Right? It's under the curse of sin. Satan's the God of this world. It's nothing like it was when God created it. But even in its fallen state, it's still declaring His glory. Psalm 148. Psalm 148. Ooh, you should know the Psalms. Change your life. Psalm 148, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him. 
in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly host. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. And make music to him with a Gibson ES-355. (laughs) For the Lord takes delight in his people. God takes delight in you. You're a delight to Him. He crowns the humble with salvation. Remember the scripture we read last week talking about prosperity? It is a gospel of prosperity. Proverbs 22.4 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Godly, true, real humility brings riches, crowns the humble with salvation. False humility doesn't, but God, what, is, what is godly humility? Knowing who God is, who you are in Him, and who you are without Him. That's godly humility. Verse 5, let the saints... Are those the statues on your shelf at home? My grandma used to go, she had statues on her shelf at home, and I was told growing up those were saints. And when I was 19, 20 years old and started reading the Bible, I found out my grandma was misinformed. A saint is someone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who's been washed in the blood and filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you a saint? Come on. Saint Jennifer? St. Tina, right? Come on. Hallelujah. St. Jeff, right? Hallelujah. St. John, hallelujah. St. Kevin, let the saints rejoice in this honor. What? That God takes delight in me. He takes delight in his people and he crowns us with salvation. Let the saints sing for joy on their beds. Have you ever put your head on your pillow and just worship God? Time to go to sleep. Hallelujah. God, you've been so good to me. And Lord, I bless your name. Hallelujah. And you just fall asleep. He grants sleep to his saints. He takes delight. He gives sleep to his beloved. Right? May the praise... Of God be in their mouths. And a double-edged sword in their hands. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Psalm 150. 
This is God's billboard, top 150, right here. Praise the Lord, Psalm 150, 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the line six helix. Praise Him with the Korg Triton. Praise Him <laughs> with the Korg Kronos. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the road microphones and the shore beta 58. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's not a broken record. It's a resurrected life that praises Him. We were made to praise Him. Now you understand that man wants to tell you what your life should consist of, right? Have you ever learned of the seven mountains of influence in a society? Have you ever heard that term? They talk about the seven mountains of influence. Family, religion, business, arts and entertainment, media, Government, education. Man is trying to tell you what your life should consist of, right? But the problem is man didn't create you. Man doesn't know who you really are. Do you know Jesus' own parents, there were times they didn't understand who he was? They didn't understand why he did the things he did and why he said that. There are times your own family won't know who you are because they didn't create you. Your mom and dad didn't make you. They were just vessels that the Holy Spirit flowed through to knit you together and bring you into this earth. The only one who really knows who you are and who you're called to be is the one who, who drew the blueprints for your destiny before you were in your mother's womb. If your identity is not born out of an intimate relationship with the one who made you, then you don't know who you are yet. If you've let guidance counselors and, and people in this world, wisdom of man, tell you who you are, then you're, 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 you don't know who you are yet. There's no test that you can take in this world that can accurately define you. You can fill in all the circles you want. You can, you know, it's funny, the intelligent quotient. Man came up with somewhere along the line, the idea of this intelligent quotient. Do you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. IQ, please. Edison, Thomas Edison, one of the greatest minds and inventors of our time, couldn't handle school. 
His mom took him out of school and homeschooled him. Teachers said he was hopeless. Yeah, what did they call him? Addlebrain. How about that? Never going to be able to learn. Thomas Edison changed the world. Genius inventions. Man can't properly assess you. Why are we saying this? Because you were made to praise him. You are made to walk with your maker, to walk with your God, to fellowship with him, to do the things he's called you to do. Now listen, there, this intimate relationship, if you're not in this intimate daily relationship with him, you don't know who you are yet. How do I know if I'm an intimate, in an intimate relationship with God? Let me give you two foundational elements of our intimate relationship with Him. They're given to us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You're made to praise Him. But these, now listen, as far as God is concerned, He's opened His arms wide. He's given His whole self to you. But there's a part that we play. We're not like creation because we're made in the image of God. The trees praise Him. The mountains praise Him. The animals praise Him. But they weren't made in the image of God. We have a free will. And we live by faith. Everybody lives by faith. Not faith in Christ. But everybody lives by faith. Animals don't live by faith. They live by instinct. Stay with me. We're going to dig a little bit. You're made to praise Him. So you've got to understand, you're not like your dog. I, I enjoy animals. I love dogs. But the truth is, your dog is never going to be able to balance your budget. They're not human. They don't think and reason like we do. I know you can train them to sit and fetch, and, and they, they can understand to a measure. And it's amazing what dolphins can do. I was, I was an MC of a dolphin show when I was 18 years old. Had four dolphins, Striker, Coco, Misty, and Breeze, and two sea lions at a theme park. And they were amazing, but they weren't people. Man exalts animals because man doesn't know who he is. God put things in a certain order, and when you, when you try and uh, uh, manipulate or distort that order, you get confused and your identity gets lost. We're not animals. We never have been. We never will be. You're made in the image of God, and there are many differences, but the two I want to talk about in this intimate relationship, we have a free will and we live by faith. That means we can, we're the only ones who can truly decide how we're going to spend our time, talents, energy, and resources. I mean, someone can force you to it, but even then you're still giving in to them if you, if you let them tell you what to do. You're the one who's really deciding. You don't have to let anyone tell you what to do. You don't. So you are the one deciding how you spend your time, how you spend your resources, how you utilize your talents. And everybody lives by faith. What is faith? Confidence in someone or something. 
Every human being is putting their confidence in someone or something. Even an atheist lives by faith. Not faith in Christ, but they live by their own beliefs. So they created this belief system, and they say there is no God, but so that's a belief in of itself. So they're living by faith in no God. They're living by faith in, in evolution or humanism. And, and they put their faith in someone or something. Usually it's their own reasoning. It's the world around them. It's, it's theories and beliefs of man. But if you want to experience God, the only way to do that is through faith in Christ. We live by confidence in Christ. Okay, believers do, saints do. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us the two foundations of an intimate relationship with Him. Therefore, brethren, I urge you to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Essential if you want to have an intimate relationship with Him. I grew up lost, uh, dysfunctional home situation, to say the least. I don't like that word, but I guess it's a word that people understand. Didn't know what my body was for. My dad never explained to me what my reproductive system was for. Never. Didn't talk about that stuff. We'd watch perverted movies that showed us perverted things people using their reproductive systems for immoral things, we'd watch those in our living room. Sometimes when my dad was home, he wasn't home a lot. We saw people uh, committing sexual immorality in the movies we watched. Never said a word to me about any of it. I started reading the Bible at 19, and I thought, wow, I'm so lost. I was so confused, Jesus, before you came into my life. And I learned that my body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I wish someone would have told me that at five years old, six years old. Could have spared me so much pain and confusion. So I began to look at my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And before I would eat, before I would exercise, before I would do the things I would do, I remember uh, s- sitting in the, the weight room or on the side of the pool before I'd swim and look down at my body and say, thank you, Father, this is your temple. Be glorified in your body. And I began thinking like that. And that opened the door for an intimate relationship with the one who made me because I began to see myself as he sees me. You can't live in sexual immorality and have an intimate relationship with God at the same time. It's impossible. Impossible. You can't have an intimate relationship with God and be involved in pornography at the same time. Can't do it. Now, God is gracious. He's not going to turn from you. He'll keep moving. He'll keep showing himself to you. He'll keep calling out to you. He'll keep doing whatever he can do to set you free. I'm not talking about being in bondage. You can't can't have an intimate relationship with God if the world has given you your sexual identity. You can't. Made to praise him. 
You can't do it. You can fool yourself into thinking you can, but what you end up doing is, is listening to spirits that aren't the Holy Spirit. And you can have a spiritual relationship with some spirits out there, and you'll think it's God, but it's not. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. Romans 12, 1. Essential if you want to have an intimate relationship. And when I began to realize this, it's like, are you kidding me? No, I, I, will, I will never go there again. I'll never, uh, I'll never watch another pornographic movie again. A playboy, are you kidding? <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, just, uh, the, and, and you'll be, I, I traveled in the Navy uh, with guys who were, um, some of them were married, some of them were single, but you wouldn't know by the way they lived who was who. And we'd be in different countries, and there'd be all kinds of things going on, and they, the married men would be going after women. Their wives weren't there. And they look at me like I'm nuts. I wouldn't even participate in the jokes on the plane or on the bus, whatever we were traveling in. And they'd all tell a joke and laugh, and I'm sitting there, usually meditating on my little scripture book. Little St. Joey. I wasn't interested. Why? Because my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not interested in, in trying to uh, impress anybody with, with how good my life is. I want to know God. I'm not interested in trying to be pious. I want to experience the fullness of God so sexual immorality is never an option. Because my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I will not set my eyes before any vile thing. Essential if you want to know Him as He is and if you want to discover your true identity. That's why it's so devastating what uh, quote-unquote professionals are telling young people about their bodies. They're confusing young people, and what's worse, they're taking it way beyond that. They're, 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 putting, they're, they're, dis, they're mutilating their body. You've got to find out who you are from the one who made you. He won't mutilate your body. He'll make it whole. That's the first part, presenting your body unto him, holy and acceptable. And listen, no matter what's happened to your body, no matter what kind of lifestyle you've been in, I want you to know that you can come to Jesus today and be washed completely clean from all that you've done. All that you've done. That's how powerful the blood of Christ is. It doesn't matter how perverted you've been, how confused you've been, how deep you've been in to sexual immorality or sin. Just come to Jesus today. He will wash you clean. He will set you free from that. He will make you new. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't forget that when we talk about sin at highway, we're not condemning anyone. We're calling attention to the lie of it so that you can be free from it and step into the light and become who you were made to be, made to praise. So what's the first element of our intimate relationship with him? It's presenting our body to him. Romans 12.1, holy, acceptable. When no one else is around, masturbation is not an option. 
Did he just say masturbation in church? Let me rewind that. Why is that not an option? That's not what our reproductive system is for. God gave you a reproductive system. Unless, unless he's called you to not be married, then, then you, won't, you, won't, you won't have the desires to be married. There are some who are called to be single for their lives. I don't know that. You, the only way you can know that, again, is by presenting your body to the Lord and, and cultivating this intimate relationship with him. But uh, most are called to be married. So that reproduct if you're called to be married, that reproductive system is to consummate the marriage so that two flesh become one. And the pleasure from that is from God. That was all God's idea, and it's awesome. It's amazing. He created that. He created that pleasure that's unlike anything else in this world. But that's what that is for. It's for a husband and wife to enjoy one another. And don't defraud your husband or your wife by masturbation. That's not for you. That desire is not for you to satisfy yourself with. Needless to say, I didn't plan on saying this today. But we said it anyway. That's not what your sexual desire is for. So if you're a young person and you're single, talk to your body. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let the Lord lead you. There will come a time when God brings someone into your life. And you'll know it. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. But you, you keep your body pure. And if you haven't, let the blood of Jesus wash you clean. You're pure now. Right? And then there will come a time when you say, I do, before witnesses and before God, where you will consummate that marriage and you will enjoy your spouse for the rest of your life. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you all times. Be intoxicated. Be exhilarated. Hallelujah. Be raptured with delight in her love. Where's that from? Proverbs 5, right? Proverbs 5, is it 19 and 20? Somewhere in there. Got to know the Word. The Word will teach you what marriage is about. The Word will teach you how your reproductive system was designed and what it's meant for. So that's the first element of an intimate relationship with Him is presenting your body. Hallelujah. My, oh my, we, uh, you know, it's funny. I'll just tell you how it is as a, as a minister, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. If you're ministering by the Spirit, sometimes, I mean, you've got a wealth of stuff the Lord has given you, but you'll just hit something, and he says, stay there for a while. So we're going to stay here for a while. Is that all right? I mean, I, I, would, I love the Macy's Parade. I just think, you know what I'd like to do? Ever since I've seen Miracle on 34th Street, the original one, and uh, what's that guy's name? He's sitting there with a little girl, and they're watching the parade out the bay window. I thought, I want to do that. That's on my bucket list. I want to rent that apartment, although the apartment didn't really exist. I guess it was a, a soundstage. But I thought, I want to rent an apartment right there, bay window, get the whole family, make Thanksgiving dinner, and watch the parade go by. Wouldn't that be fun? But I got to tell you, as I, you know, watched over the years, some of the dumbest songs are sung at the Macy Parade. I mean, you got people coming out there and just like trying to make you want them. I don't want to hear that on Thanksgiving, how, how sexy I am. 
How about, uh, you know, a, a joy to the world, the Lord has come, uh, you know, celebrating, be giving thanks. And you see these acts come out, and it's just like, oh, man, how sad, you know? Let's celebrate good things. Let's celebrate purity and love and joy and peace and abundance. Let's cultivate an atmosphere of thanksgiving, not of, of do you want me? Lust will ruin you. It ruins you. Passion for the Lord will propel you into your destiny. Don't trade your passion for the Lord for the lust of man. What's the second part of an intimate relationship with him? You're the only one that can present your body to him. God can't do this for you. He can't because he's not you. You're your own being. He wants to live with you. He wants to be united with you. But you still have a free will and you still have to choose what you're living by, whose confidence you're living by, who you're putting or what you're putting your confidence in. What's the second part? Well, verse 2, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, to the ideas and wisdom of man, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Presenting your body unto him and renewing your mind with his word. If you're not doing both, both, both of those things, you don't know who you are yet. Just just saying. You haven't realized your true identity yet. You mean I'm 55 and I don't know who I am yet? Could be. If you're not regularly, daily doing both of these things, then you you haven't realized your true identity yet. Your true identity can only be found in an intimate relationship with the one who made you. And the two foundations on your end of this intimate relationship that you are responsible for is presenting your body unto him and renewing your mind with his word. That's, that's a part of this relationship. That's, it's good to know what your responsibility is in a relationship, right? You can't, that relationship won't function properly if all that are involved don't understand their responsibilities. Right? So my responsibility in this intimate relationship with the one who made me is to realize my body's his temple and to present my body unto him, holy and acceptable, and to renew, to not be conformed to the wisdom of man, but to be transformed by renewing my mind with the Word. That's why we have our hard copy Bibles. I don't know how many Bibles I have in my house. I have a lot of them. This is my main one. And the binding's getting a little frayed. I'm trying to protect it. They fall apart on me eventually. But I can't get in this book enough. I love it. Because it describes to me the love of my Father. It reveals to me all that God did for me through His Son. It reveals to me who I am now in Him. My identity is in here. Made to praise Him. Now, we read through four different psalms 
And I don't know how many times it said praise the Lord, but would you agree it was several? God is not an egotist. He's not an egomaniac. He's not a tyrant or a dictator saying, I want you to praise me. I'm looking for people to pledge their allegiance to me. That's not it at all. Did you know that praise doesn't elevate God? What? God is enthroned on high whether I praise Him or not. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. I can spit on the dirt. I can curse Him. I can reject Him. doesn't change His status. He's above all. Our praise doesn't elevate Him. Our praise elevates our awareness of Him. Our praise enhances and elevates our understanding of Him. Our awareness of the reality of Him in our lives. Praise the Lord. Anything that God commands us to do is not for His benefit. benefit, It's for yours. God has no needs. God is not insecure looking for someone to give him some affirmation. I wish they'd praise me. I'm just feeling feeling a little insecure today. I need some affirmation, people. That's not him at all. He knows who he is. He's perfect love. There's no evil in him. He's all good. He's life himself. He's the maker of heaven. He knows who he is. Praise the Lord is for you, my friend. It's for me. Because when we begin to praise Him, it it opens our eyes to the reality of Him in our daily lives. Praise the Lord. Made to praise Him. Praise elevates us. Praise lifts us up. It elevates us. It raises us up to the level of life God has called us to live. See, when you start to understand this, you'll start to praise Him more. Because you realize how desperately you need to praise Him. Praise brings this aroma into our lives. It brings this aroma of the kingdom of God, of the the scent of the king into our lives. And and, and it, it stays with us wherever we go. You will not function properly if you're not praising him regularly. You cannot, you will not function properly if you're not praising Him regularly. You see, when we employ our free will to praise Him, it brings us into alignment with the reality of His goodness. 
Do you know that the very fibers of your being respond to his praise? All the little cells of you respond to the praise of the Lord. Do you know your cells are waiting for you to praise him? And if you don't give your cells what they're asking for, something's going to be dysfunctional. Something's not going to work like it should work. Do you know that praising the Lord is essential to walk in the divine health He's given you? You see, it's our spirit that wants to praise Him. You're a spirit, right? It's our spirit that wants to praise Him. And when we employ our body and our mind, Romans 12 and 2, it enables our spirit to gain the ascendancy over our mind, our intellect and our emotions, over our body and reign in our lives. Praise quickens us and gives our spirit the ascendancy over our mind and our body. Hallelujah. Praising the Lord clears our vision. Praising Him enables us to see things that we couldn't see if we weren't praising Him. Praising the Lord brings the mind of the Spirit to the forefront of our lives. It can seem like God is so far away sometimes. That's just your flesh and your soul. Your spirit knows that's not true. You're one with Him. So I can be feeling like a failure, feeling like God's miles away. What do I do? I begin to praise Him. I begin to worship. I just might read Psalm 148, Psalm 149, Psalm 1. I just might go through the Psalms and start praising Him. And what you'll notice, you'll begin to change. And the reality of God's presence will begin to rise up in the inside of you. And your soul and your body will get in line with your spirit. Bring them under submission to your spirit. Paul said, I bring my body under. He didn't say, I bring myself under, because he knew he wasn't his body. He's taught, what, what does he bring his body under? A bus? No. The authority of his spirit. I keep my body in subjection to my spirit, and praise is essential for that. How are we doing? Are we awake? Now, this is not a, a mindless praise. This is, we're not robots. We don't have this praise mode that we push a button. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. We're not mindless praisers. Listen to me. Our praise, praise that is born from the knowledge of who He is. Praise that is born from the knowledge of what He's done for us enables the reality of who He is and the reality of what He's done for us to show up in our lives, to rise to the surface of our lives. So I've got to study the Scriptures to learn who He is and to learn what He's done for me so I can praise Him. Yeah. Yeah. You can say praise the Lord, doesn't mean a thing. 
But when I realize he bore my sicknesses, he carried my diseases, I say, praise the Lord. Now we're getting somewhere. When I realize he became the curse of sin for me, now I can say, praise the Lord. It's different. It's a praise that is born out of a renewed mind. It's a praise that is born from the knowledge of who he is and from what he's done for me. That's why we praise him. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. I hope I can get to what I want to get to here. 1 Thessalonians 5. We're getting there. <laughs> Woo! We're getting there. We're moving forward. No way I'm standing still for this world. I'm moving forward. God is my ship. He's my transport. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Anytime God gives us a commandment, it's not for his benefit, it's for yours. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rejoice all the time. Pray continually. What's that mean? Fellowship with God. All the time. Notice they go together. You can't really fellowship with God without being joyful. You can't. Because His presence is fullness of joy. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not for, but in. There's a lot of garbage going on in this world that God didn't cause and God didn't allow. But no matter what's going on, in the midst of it all, we're going to thank and praise Him. Because he's greater than our circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There it is, the will of God for your life. To rejoice all the time. What's God's will for me to rejoice in him? To bless his name for who he is and what he's done for me? To present my body to him? To, to not listen to the wisdom of man, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? My mind? Do not quench the Spirit. The, the NIV says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Now, in, in a lot of translations, they capitalize the S on Spirit. You realize in the Greek, there are no capitals. It's, I think it's the word pneuma there. I'm trying to remember which one it is. But it means Spirit or breath or wind. But there are no capitals there. Why is that important? It could be the Holy Spirit, but it also be your spirit. When you, he's writing to believers. When you put your faith in Christ, use your spirit and the Holy Spirit were united. And the fire you need to win in life is in your spirit. The power and energy and vision and wisdom and strength that you need to win to make the decisions you need to make today, it's in your spirit. But if you're not rejoicing in Him, fellowshipping with Him, you'll quench, you'll 
push that fire to the background. And you won't be able to make the decisions you need to make in a way that your spirit would make them. Praise the Lord. The message translation says, don't suppress the spirit. So if I'm not rejoicing in him, fellowshipping with him, my spirit is suppressed. Wow. When your spirit is suppressed, your soul and body become oppressed. And depression is just a stone's throw away. The moment you feel discouragement, start to praise Him. The, not, not an hour later. The moment discouragement taps you on the shoulder, say, God, you're so good. Father, you're always causing me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I am the healed of God. I'm strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. You're leading me into green pastures. That's what you do. The moment discouragement taps on your shoulder, you begin to praise Him. What's happening there? Satan's trying to gain access to your life. How does he do it? Through discouragement, temptation, tempting you to be discouraged, tempting you to be immoral sexually, watch something you shouldn't watch, listen to something you shouldn't listen, tempting you to not forgive somebody, tempting you to be uh, um, selfish or greedy or to throw a pity party and feel sorry for yourself. Reminding you of what so-and-so did to you. That's all, that's all the enemy's realm. And the moment that stuff starts to tap you on the shoulder, you start to praise him. And what will happen is you'll become very strong. And the fire that's in your spirit will rise to the surface and burn that stuff away. Depression needs to be burned away with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't medicate it away. You can't counsel it away. The Holy Spirit's the counselor. Now, thank God there may be some, some things that you can do temporarily that might help you function for a while. Thank God for good godly counselors. But you're going to have to come to a place in your life where you decide to believe God. Where you decide that who He is, who He's revealed Himself to be in your hard copy Bible. And that He did what He said He did through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that it's all for you. And that you are who He says you are. At some point in your life, you're going to have to decide, this, He is my reality. He is the fire that burns in my bones. Woo! The Amplified Translation says, be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. That's all I remember, that one. Be happy in your faith. You can be heavy as a Christian. 
you prayed and you prayed. You study the Bible and nothing's happening. These people don't understand. God, why is this going on? Nothing's changing. And it's been. And there are a lot of people like that. Because their prayers aren't of faith, they're of frustration and fear and worry. Be happy. How do I know when my confidence is in God? Joy comes. You can be a miserable Christian because fear is leading you. Circumstances are leading you. Not confidence in his goodness. When you're confident in who he is and what he's done for you, you'll be happy. You can't help but be happy because he's that good. And rejoice and be glad-hearted all the time. Be glad-hearted continually, always. This is God's will for you. Be unceasing in prayer. We're talking about intimacy, fellowship with God, right? Praying perseveringly, no matter what it looks like. You've given us the victory. You're moving us forward. That's a persevering prayer. Thank God in everything, not for everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. What? That you would not give the circumstances the right of way in your life, but you would give God the right of way by being glad-hearted in Him and rejoicing in Him. The Passion translate. oh, let's just see here. Who are, who are, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and, med, and medi, med, meditator, mediator excuse me, of that will. Don't quench, suppress, or subdue the Spirit. The Passion Translation says, Let joy be your thanksgiving dinner. Let joy be your continual feast. You have to choose this. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Well, I'm clinically this or I'm clinically that. I can't do that. No! You have been made in the image of God and no one can take your chooser away. No matter what you've been labeled with, you can praise Him. You can be whole. You can rejoice in Him. If you can be sad, you can be happy. It's just that simple. That's a lie from the enemy. You can't. I've got this wrong. I can't. No. It's not based on your current circumstances. It's based on his love for you. Boy, we've given way too much credence to man's diagnosis. Way too much. Hallelujah. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. You mean I can limit what God can do in my life? Yes. 
Oh, yeah. By listening to the wrong voices, by letting your body and your soul tell you how to act and think. We are spirits. We have a soul. That's equipment that we've been given, our intellect, our emotions, but that's not who we are. We're living in a physical body, but that's not who we are. We are spirits, and joy is our new nature. Strength, happiness, peace. Oh, my goodness. Can I do this? Yeah, let's do it. You all right? Can we go just a little bit longer? Let me think about this because I'm telling you, this is, oh, man. If I get going, we're going to go here. Hold on a minute. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What does the word praise mean? Do you know? It actually comes from a Latin word meaning price. When I was a kid, there was a show on called Price is Right. It's still on, but Bob Barker's not on anymore. He was my man. He was classy. I like that guy. Praise comes from a Latin word, price. It means to set a price on, to attach value, to choose to prize something, to appraise like someone would appraise a home, to appraise something, to assess the value of something, to estimate the value of something. You see, if you're going to appraise a home, you, unless you have knowledge of what a good home is, you can't appraise a home. Someone can only accurately appraise a home if they understand all of the elements that come together to make a quality home. So before you sell your home, you want to get an appraisal, but you want to get a good appraisal on your home, right? So you hire someone who's knowledgeable, who knows what to look for, who knows how to assess the value of your home. This is why it's so important where you go to church and what you listen to. You need to listen to good appraisers of the Lord, that will teach you how good he is and what he's done for you through his son so that you can properly appraise God in your life and realize and know how good he truly is. So as we go through our day today and tomorrow, we're appraising him. We're assigning value to him, and we have determined that he is all that he says he is, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that nothing is impossible with him, that through him all things are possible, that we are his sons and daughters, that we are filled with his spirit, that we can do all things through Christ, Jesus, who infuses us with strength. Appraisal. Every time you you come to highway, you're getting an appraisal of the Lord. This is God's Zillow right here. Go on Zillow and start reading. Find out how worthy he is of your praise. Find out his estimated value and begin to assign that value to him. 
God, you are worth more than all this world could ever offer me. You're worth more than every dream and desire I've ever had. You're worth more to me than anyone or anything. And I worship you. I assign you the ultimate value in my life. And I praise your name. All right, we'll close with this. Ooh, this is challenging. Whew. You ever heard of Lillian B. Yeomans? She was a minister. She was born in 1861. It was a while ago. I believe she was born in Ontario, Canada. I don't, I don't know if I'm getting all... I, I have to read them all. I don't want to read all the details of her life. But anyway... Uh, she grew up, as I understand it, in like a mainline denominational church. And as a girl, she, she believed in Jesus so that she could go to heaven someday. That was all she knew. But she, her father was a physician, and she decided she would become a physician. So she became a physician, and uh, through the stress of the surgeries and the different things she had to do, she wasn't sleeping well. Now, we're talking about... At this point, maybe like 1880s something, 1880s, 1890s. So she began taking morphine before she went to bed so she could sleep. Now, you understand, my dad was a pharmacist, and, and as a pharmacist physician, you have access to things, and we didn't always know the things we know about the strength of different drugs. Cocaine was something that was used commonly before it was realized that the, the effects of cocaine. Um, so there are a lot of things that were used when understood. Anyway, she began taking morphine at night to just relieve her stress. And she didn't realize it, but she became a serious addict. She got to the point where she was taking something like 50 times what an adult male should ever take. Just, and, and she tried to get help, and, and she said she would cry out to God, but she didn't believe God would heal her. And, and finally, she heard of... Uh, What's his name? John Alexander Dowry, uh, who, had, who the healing ministry and the healing homes. See, I, you, you want to study history for good seed. You want to learn from people who, who had revelation of, of these things that we talked about in our last series because you want to grow from it. Like Smith Wigglesworth, E.W. Kenyon, Lillian B. Yeoman. And we're, let me just say this before we go on. We're living in a day where the revelation of what he's done for us is abundant where you can plug into ministries like Highway Church, uh, like Joseph Prince Ministries, like uh, um, Andrew Womack Ministries, like Kenneth Hagen, like Kenneth Copeland, like Gloria Copeland, like these uh, Creflo Dollar. And, and the, this revelation wasn't abundant in the earth in 1890 like it is now. So when you're reading back then, you can see there's things they just didn't know yet about the finished work of Christ. But this, here's this woman trying to get delivered, and she hears about John Alexander Dowry. I think I'm saying his name. She goes to his healing home. He had these homes where people can check themselves in, and, and they best, basically, the, she went through several programs before she got to this man's home, and the nurses just said, this is a skeleton with a demon. They couldn't do anything for her. She had withered away. Her body had withered away. She couldn't break this. She checks into Alexander Dowry's healing ministry, and they leave her alone with her Bible. And she just starts reading through the Bible. And as she's reading through the Bible, the Holy Spirit begins to open her eyes and show her how important healing is to God. She read through the whole Bible, if I understand it right. Went through Genesis all the way through. And she couldn't get away from all the healing that God wanted his people to enjoy. 
And she, find, and she noticed as she continued to read through the Bible, she was getting stronger. I don't know how long it took, but eventually she was whole. Just by reading through the Bible and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And in one of her books, and I tried to find my book, I couldn't find it. But in one of her books, um, I believe that's called Healing from Heaven, she has a chapter in there and she calls it The Praise Cure made to praise Him. The praise cure. And for time's sake, I'm going to get through this quickly. But she talked about, as a physician, all of the cures that people paid so much money to see if they would work. They would travel around the world for some special herb, some special bath, some special oil, some special procedure. And all the people that were frustrated because they didn't get the results they were wanted. She said, there is one cure I know of that it always works. I call it the praise cure. It always works. It is the only sure cure there is. I forgot to tell you, she left, she decided to become a healing evangelist. So she, she left her, her occupation as a physician and went into ministry as a healing evangelist. I think she was in her 40s or 50s when she did that. So here it is. The cure which I'm going, this is right from the book, the cure which I'm going to speak tonight is the only sure cure. It is the most expensive cure ever known. But the price was paid by another. For it was purchased not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, so the poorest may enjoy its fullest benefits. I call it the praise cure. Make sure you're awake now. I want you to get this. Because it is the most readily applied, excuse me, because it is most readily applied by simply singing yourself into it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 100, verse 4. You can sing yourself and shout yourself into and through things that you can't get into or through by any other way. I'm going to say that again. You can sing yourself and shout yourself into and through things that you can't get into or through by any other way. Jesus! If you knew why I was shouting, you'd shout too. We can stand on God's word for salvation and healing and praise our way through to perfect manifested victory. This I call the praise cure, and it never fails. When the praise, here it is, the key, is the outflow of a heart resting on God's unchanging love. The goodness of God. 
Years ago, a missionary from China was at Beulah Heights who had a most wonderful healing from smallpox while on the field by the application of the praise cure. Though she had not been vaccinated, she fearlessly helped a sister missionary who had the disease. When a very bad case of confluent smallpox, that's what it was called, that's what, uh, what it looked like to the doctors, came on her, she did not know what to do. So she asked the Lord, and he told her to sing and praise him for his faithfulness to his word. Others took her and shut her up and told her to be quiet, but she said if she didn't praise God, the very stones would cry out. So she sang and sang and praised and praised. The, the doctor said he feared for her life, that the, the case was infectious and awful complications were threatening. But she praised and praised and sang and sang. He said she was evidently delirious. But they had so little help that he couldn't restrain her. And she sang and sang and praised and praised. They told her that if by any chance she recovered, she would be disfigured for the rest of her life. And she sang and praised louder than ever. The praise cure. Are you still awake? They asked, why do you pray so much? She answered, because I have so many pox on me. I'm going to praise them for every one of them. Not because he caused them. Don't misunderstand me. In other words, all these circumstances that are telling me I'm dying, I'm going to praise him because it's, it's not the final word in my life. God's word trumps it all. You understand what she's saying? Hallelujah. So instead of looking at circumstances and getting discouraged, she said, I'm going to praise him all the more. Are you getting it? Hallelujah. God shows me I must praise him. And she kept right at it. The Lord has shown her, the Lord had shown her a vision of two baskets. I want you to get this. One basket, it was like a scale. You know the old scales where you're weighing something and there's uh, one on each end? She said, one basket was containing her praise, and it was up here, half full. The other one was, was the, the, her circumstances and all the stress that would, wants to go with them. And it was down here. Praise, light, circumstances heavy, right? So she saw this vision. He told her that the praise basket must be filled so that it would outbalance the others. So she kept at it. Her songs and shouts were so spirit-filled that they were contagious, and the nurses who were Christians couldn't resist joining in them. So they kept the place ringing. At last, the Lord showed her that the praise basket was full and overflowing. She saw it sink, and the testing basket rise in the air. And in a moment, as it seemed, the eruptions 
and all of the attending symptoms on her body vanished, leaving no trace in the way of so much as a single scar. Yes, the praise cure works every time. It is not unpleasant. Rather, it is delightful. The cost of it has been met for us by another, and it is available the moment, this moment, to each and every one of us. Are you ready to begin it? Just believe what God says about what Jesus has done for you. Body, soul, and spirit. Think about it. Talk about it. Sing about it. Shout about it. And the praise cure has begun. You're not to take it once a year, but all the time. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The Psalms, the book of Psalms, is inspired by the Holy Ghost, which has been used by the people of God in all ages, which Jesus himself used. And, and, and it's full of this praise cure. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who for forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Had to get that out because you need to know how this works. Praise the Lord. Soul, bless His name. Emotions, rejoice. Intellect, rejoice. Body, rejoice. God is your maker. God is your father. Body rejoice. You have been healed. You are strong. I am the healed of God. I'm strong in the Lord. And you see, Satan can't fight against this. Jen, you want to come up here? He can't fight against this. He's tapping you on the shoulder, telling you how sick you are, telling you what all these symptoms mean and what you need to do and how this is going to change your future. And instead of listening to him, you start praising God. Thank you, Father. You bore my sicknesses. You carried my diseases. With the stripes of wounded Jesus, I'm healed. I'm not trying to get healed. You've already done it. I'm healthy and strong right now, and I will walk in health for the rest of my life because your word is my reality. And I bless you, and I praise you, and I worship you, and I sing praise praises unto your name and I shout glory unto your name I appraise that your word is true I assign value to your word as my truth, my reality my strength, my victory my joy, my provision hallelujah woo father we thank you for this time together we thank you for teaching us to praise you for revealing to us the benefits of accurately appraising you, of assigning to you the value that you're worthy of. We will bless you at all times. Your praise will continually be upon our lips. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our website at josephbosco.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.